TheYeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. And uh, just to remind you that tomorrow, Tuesday, we have our regular woman's class. That's uh, 12.45 p.m. in person, 10th Gimel, 24 Sheirot. So everybody who wants to come in person is, of course, welcome for women and girls. And it will also be live streamed on the yeshiva.net. Wednesday evening, 9.45 p.m., we have part two of Dating for Lubavitch Bochrim. <laughs> this is a live Zoom for uh, Lubavitch boys who are in the Dating Parsha with myself and Rabbi Mendel Lipsker. Questions and answers. Thursday night, 8 o'clock p.m., a live Zoom and a live stream for Better Communication Skills for Young Couples. Young Couples newly married, or if you're in spirit, a young couple, maybe it's for you too, learning how to communicate better and build better and happier marriages. That's going to be Thursday evening, 8 o'clock p.m. All of these events will be live streamed on the yeshiva.net. You're all welcome. Tell your children, tell your friends. Wednesday evening, 9.45 for Bachrim. Thursday evening for young couples. Wednesday evening it's 9.45, Thursday evening it's 8, Tuesday our class is 12.45. Of course, we will also have our Thursday morning 7.30 class in Hasidus. So, we have been learning about Purim Cotton. Let's go back to the basics and remind everybody of the famous Mishnah in Mesechta Megillah. Mesechta Megillah, Perek, Aleph, the first chapter of Masechta Megillah, there's a Mishnah, the fourth Mishnah, the Mishnah says that There's no difference between the first other and the second other, meaning for all practical purposes they're identical, besides two things, reading of the Megillah and gifting the poor, which means that these mitzvahs that we usually do on Purim, we read the Megillah and we gift, the poor doesn't apply to the first other, it applies to the second other. That's the dramatic distinction between the first other and the second other. Everything else, they're the same. In the first other, we have what's called Purim Katan, a humble Purim. The difference is, you don't read the Megillah. This week, this, t- t- tonight, tomorrow, Yudalit Adir Rishon, the fir- 14th day of the first other, we don't read the Megillah. We don't do Matanas Lovyan. And as the commentators say, we also don't do Shalachmanas. He says, Megillah Matanas Lovyan. That we wait for the second Purim, the great Purim, Purim Godl in the second. That's what the Mishnah says. And from here, the commentators did do something very fascinating. What about other things? For example, on Purim, you don't fast. On Purim, you don't do eulogies. It seems like from the Mishnah that that would be applicable to the first Purim as well. Because he says the only difference between the first order and the second order is Megillah reading and Matanas Lovyanim. He also doesn't mention the meals of Purim. Does that mean that Purim cotton? We have a meal. The only difference is Megillah and Matanas Lovyanim. So this developed a fascinating discussion in Halacha. Like always, the Mishnah is the source for the oral tradition. The summation of what we learned in last class was that we want to understand it's true that Purim is the source of joy for the whole year, which is why Taiv Lev Mishtatamid would follow the laws of Purim thematically. But what's the connection with Purim Katan? It follows the laws of Purim Katan. So in order to understand that, the Sikha of the Lubavitcher Rebbe introduced a more fundamental, another question. 
Why is Toiv Lev Mishtatamid at the end? Just as Yiras Hashem, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit, is a foundation for Shulchan Aruch, the fact that Hashem is with me and near me and before me constantly, Toiv Lev Mishtatamid, Simcha, is also a foundation which comes at the onset and the genesis of all serving Hashem, including that which we do in the morning, the brachas of the morning, the davening in the morning. So why is it that one of the tmidim gets to be in the beginning and one of them is put all the way at the end? And the key explanation in that was, when we speak about Yiris Hashem and Simcha, we could speak about them in two different ways. One is as part of Avaida, meaning part of our service, every Avaida Hashem has two components to it. There's the element of awe, reverence, and the element of Avaidam serving Hashem, and there's the element of Simcha, celebration. Here, the two Tmidim represent the epilogue and the prologue, that which comes as an introduction before the Shulchan Aruch, and that which comes as an end after the Shulchan Aruch. What does that represent? That before a Jew begins his Avaidah, there's Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samad, there's Kabbalah Salmal Chashamayim, which is the establishing of the very relationship. I am here to serve. And the Simcha, Toiv Leiv Tamid, is that which comes out and emerges in its most revealed and manifested way at the end of Avaidah, because it's the joy from the fact that a Jew has fulfilled his or her work and has become connected with Hashem. And this joy comes out in the most revealed way at the end of Avaidah, because when I'm in the middle of the work, as we spoke about, there's so much going on. And therefore, the Simcha, the celebration of it, could be somewhat mitigated or eclipsed or diluted, or covered up by the intensity of the Kabbalah's oil, of the yira. Like I gave an example, when parents are raising children, there is always a simcha there, and there has to be a simcha there, a good spirit and a positive attitude, and knowing the vision and the mission statement, and the opportunity and the privilege. But it's not all about celebration. The celebration is eclipsed by the responsibility, by the sense of duty, by the need to attend, to be attentive to details. The same is true with a marriage. There is a simcha there, but ultimately life on a daily basis has what we call the grind, with the daily grind where I'm focusing on the details and I need to focus on the details. But there comes moments in life where you have to be able to, so to speak, uh, sit back and just experience the simcha itself, the, the celebration itself of the fact of who you are and that you have a relationship. And that is not something that's emphasized in the Avaidah, because in the middle of the Avaidah here, I am really focusing also on the simcha. But in Avaidah Hashem, there's the element of Yiris Hashem that's necessary, and the element of Kabbalah soil, and the focus on doing what is my responsibility at the moment. Just like in Tishrei, all of Tishrei is about simcha. But Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the Simcha is not camouflaged, but it's covered over a little bit with the sense of the tshuva or the coronation of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Simcha's Torah, Shemini Yatzeres, Sukkot, but especially from Simcha's Torah, it comes out. And this is the difference between the Simcha, we spoke earlier about how the Rambam describes the Simcha of Yiddishkeit, the Simcha of Mitzvahs, and the way the Ramah puts it here as Toiv Leiv Mishtatamit. We learned earlier that the Rambam in Hilchis Lulav, I'm now saying over Se'ivav, section 6 outside. 
which is page 215. The Rambam says there is the Simcha of Sukkot that had a very, very special joy. And in continuation to that, he speaks about the Simcha of a person when they do mitzvahs, which is a very, very special part of Yiddishkeit. So by the Rambam, the Simcha is talking about the Simcha of the mitzvah. The Simcha, while you're involved in a mitzvah, there always ought to be Simcha. Any Avayda you're involved in, when it's done with enthusiasm and with joy, it's completely different. And that, we get the inspiration from Sukkot, because Sukkot is also a mitzvah. It's part of the mitzvah of Simcha of the holidays. And from there you get the inspiration for the Simcha of a mitzvah a whole year. That's the Simcha, the way it accompanies and it infuses every mitzvah a Jew does. Every moment when a Jew does a mitzvah and serves God, there is an element of joy that accompanies the work, knowing the privilege, understanding the opportunity, appreciating this, the, the meaning of it, the significance of it, the, the, the privilege of it. There is an element of simcha. But that's the simcha, the way it accompanies Avaida. In Shulchan Aruch, the focus is toiv leiv mishtatamid. Simcha as a self-contained reality. What are you celebrating? He says, you're celebrating the fact that you're a Jew. And you're always connected to Hashem. It's not this celebration when you're doing your job, you do it with enthusiasm. That's amazing. That's the Rambam's focus in Simcha. In It's an ongoing party. It's an ongoing celebration. Not Simcha accompanying something else. Simcha as a self-contained entity that fills your heart. It's about fully celebration. The celebration fills every fiber of your being. Toiv leiv mishtatamit. A good heart is always in a state of feasting. This is simcha as a self-contained reality, just celebrating who I am and celebrating my essential relationship with Hashem that is constant and is never tarnished and is never tainted and is never eclipsed and is never mitigated, and is never diluted, and can never be destroyed. And that's Tamid, it's always. When does this come, and even though it's always there, when does it come out in the most revealed way? At the end of Avaida, at the end of Shulchan Aruch. Why? Because in the middle of the Avaida, there has to be a focus on other things also. It's not just all about Simcha. I can't allow the Simcha to fully permeate every fiber of my being, because I'm in the middle of work. <laughs> As I gave the example... You're trying to raise your children. There's so much going on. There's so many details. There's so many responsibilities. Sometimes things are stressful, right? The mothers here can explain it to us, and some of the fathers can also explain it to us, especially the special dads that we have in our class. So yes, there's a simcha that should accompany it. A person cannot live life and, and, and attend to duties and responsibilities with a sense of, of melancholy and heaviness. Ultimately, it saps us from our energy, it's important to cultivate these attitudes. But still, in the middle of the Avaida, what's felt in the most revealed way is getting the job done, focusing on the job. But you want that job should be done with Simcha. At the end of Shulchan Aruch HaRechaim, which symbolizes, we're not talking here physically at the end, because there's no end. There's always Avaidas Hashem as long as we're alive. But at the end, meaning, the concept that comes out at the end of Avaida, meaning it's not defined by the Avaida. It's something that is not defined by the work. It's the simch itself allowing that joy to just fill your entire heart, your entire space. It bursts out 
and it comes out, it protrudes, and it emerges in its full grandeur, in its full ecstasy, in its full majesty. It becomes all-pervasive because the avoider now is complete. And what he means, of course, is that in every stage of life this is appropriate, as one of our dear students said last time. At every stage of life there are these moments where I focus not just on what has to be done now, but I focus on the fact of celebrating the very, very relationship itself. Celebrating who I am. Celebrating who you are. Celebrating what it means, as he says, you're a Jew, and you're connected to the divine, and you're infinite. Now, the celebrating that infinite value that Avaidus Hashem brings out and is a manifestation of. But here the focus is the celebration itself as a simcha, toiv lev, mishta, tamid. The simcha itself, because I'm a Jew and I'm connected to Hashem. And it's always, tamid means always. But when does it come out in the most revealed way? It comes out at the end of Avaid. And now this simcha, he says, expresses itself especially in Purim Katan. Why? Because all the days of joy throughout the year, which means Shabbos, Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot, all have mitzvahs, they have laws, they have customs that are connected to the day. Here you eat matzah, and here there's special, there's special davening, and here there's special minhagim, and different traditions and different laws. So the feeling of simcha is also influenced from other things and other feelings and other responsibilities that come out and are expressed in the avoid of these days, whether it's doing certain mitzvahs, fulfilling certain traditions, even Purim. Purim is the mitzvah to be adalayada, <laughs> a simcha that transcends any regular limitations. But the fact is, it's not the only thing that we do on Purim. Because Purim is a whole day where there's all other things, there's responsibilities, yeah? First of all, there's reading the Megillah and hearing the Megillah. There's Mishlaich Manas, there's Matanas Yainim. A person on Purim has also other things. The meal of Purim, it says in Shulchan Aruch, starts after Mincha, which is towards the end of the day. So even these days that are all about Simcha, nonetheless, there's other elements. They don't, I'm not going to say they encumber the Simcha, but they're also important factors in the day. So the feeling of Simcha is also influenced by the fact that there's other responsibilities, there's other themes, there's other things. That is the avoid of this day, even Purim itself. Purim Katan is unique. There's no mitzvahs for this day. There's no special mitzvahs for Purim Katan. I'm not hearing the Megillah. I'm not Mishlech Manas. So what makes this day different than other days? Only one thing, Simcha. <laughs> Only one thing. As the Ramah says, that a person should increase in Simcha in this day. So the Simcha of Purim Katan doesn't have anything mixed in to it. Any avoida, there's no other avoida. Okay, it's a day of Simcha, therefore you have to do this. There's no you have to do. So what is it? He says it's Simcha Betaira. It's Simcha in its full purity, without being eclipsed by anything else. So what does Purim Katan represent? It represents the opportunity. The opportunity. <clears throat> to help us experience this component of Yiddishkeit. Which component? The Toiv Leiv Mishta Tamid component. The component of Simcha as a pure 
self-contained experience that's not defined by doing something, but it's the experience of Simcha itself celebrating the relationship in its full purity, not even mitigated or filtered or condensed or defined by anything else. Even the great Purim, which is all about Simcha, and as we said, it's the source of Simcha for the whole year. But still, this component of the Simcha that comes out at the end of the Avaidah, that doesn't exist on Purim. Because Purim is a day of a lot of Avaidah, a lot of work. And everybody knows Purim, isn't there's a certain intensity in the day, right? In fact, some people have a very hard time on Purim. You have to figure out your Purim. Because there's so much, it's so hectic. You have a meal and you're inviting guests. And there's the Megillah, even on a practical level. There's a lot going on. So yes, it's all about Simcha. But the Simcha is very much part and parcel of a lot of work to be done. And whenever there's work, he says, there's a focus on Kabbalah soil and a focus on Yira, which is appropriate. Because I'm a responsible person and I'm a disciplined person. There's elements of structure. He says, the uniqueness of Purim Katan is, it doesn't come with any strings attached. <laughs> it, it's a regular day, so a Jew does what he or she does on every day. A Jew davens, and a Jew puts on tefillin, and a Jew learns Torah. There's the void of Purim Katan every day. But in terms of the Simcha of Purim Katan, what is it? It's just joy. <laughs> joy with what? For what? Meal? No. Some people have a meal, you don't have to have a meal. Uh, drink? No. I mean, you could say, Lechayim on Purim Katan, but there's no mitzvah. It's not like Purim. Sending gifts, reading a story, hearing a story. So what, yeah? What, yeah, is? He says, Simcha B'tayara. Simcha B'tayara means there's nothing mixed in. Even Avaidus Hashem, serving. It's just joy itself. So that's why in Shulchan Aruch, Toiv Lev Mishtetamit follows Purim Katan. Because the concept of Toiv Lev Mishtetamit is not the Simcha that accompanies all the mitzvahs. That's, that's very important. It's the Simcha that comes at the end of Shulchan Aruch. It's the Simcha that represents the celebration of the relationship itself that is often eclipsed during the Avaid. Now, this celebration is always there. It has to be always there. But when I'm involved in a project, I have to focus on the project. I can't experience everything always. But there's moments in life where I have to be able to graduate the project. What do I mean graduate the project? Not chas v'shalom that you stop living and you stop doing what you have to do. But that you focus in and you tune in just to the celebration of the relationship. Like with parents and children. There's moments that the focus of the connection is about responsibility. Now we have to do homework. Now we got to take a bath. Now we got to go to sleep. Now we have to eat dinner. Now we got to do our chores. Now we got to clean the house, which are all very important. And they should all be done with simcha, with positivity. But do you also have moments that you can just tune in to my very being? And I can tune into your very being. And we can just celebrate it. It's not easy. <laughs> There's a lot of mental distractions. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. But that's the end, that's the focus, that's the essence. The same is true with Hashem. I, now I need to do this, I need to do this, and I should do this, and it's gewaldic, and it's awesome, and it should be done with simcha. I'm going to go daven shachim, I'm going to daven mincha, I'm going to go learn toyot, I'm going to do a mitzvah, I'm going to prepare this, I'm going to prepare this, I'm going to get involved in this. All wonderful. But can you also experience the end of it all? The end of it all is the celebration itself, the dveikus, the intimacy.
Just intimacy. What's the purpose of intimacy? To be to be one. The simcha itself, that's the toivleiv mishta tamid. It's always there. But in the constant pressures of life, it's often eclipsed. At the end of the avayda, you could experience, like I gave an example last time, parents who are raising children. And when you're raising children, you're raising children. You're sending them off to school. You're dealing with challenges. You're dealing with struggles. You're trying to... <laughs> tend to every person's needs, physically, mentally, psychologically, spiritually, and parents today know what that takes. And then there's those moments, say you marry off this child who you put so much into for 20 years, for 25 years, for 30 years, whatever it is, and after the marriage, the couple can look at each other and just their eyes tell the story of not what we have to do now, even though there's things they have to do now, but just breathing in the experience and the joy itself. The joy itself, not just from the accomplishment, also, also from the accomplishment, but just to be able to experience that moment of dvekas, that moment of intimacy, that moment of celebration. But that moment can't only come at the end, when you're 70 years old, or when you're 100 years old, or when you're 180 years old, then too. But throughout life, there is this concept where the Toiv Lev Mishtatamit comes out, where it's about the Dvekas itself, the relationship itself. Where in Halacha is this best brought out in Purim Katan? That's why it comes out after Purim Katan. Because in all the other days of Simcha, there's always Avoid. There's always something to do. And when there's something to do, in order to facilitate the joy... There's the focus on details. There's the attentiveness to details. There's Kabbalah Sol. There's Yiras Hashem. And it should be that way. So the Simcha is somewhat diluted, even just a little bit. But Purim Katan, he says, there's no mitzvahs for the day that are connected to Simcha, besides just being another day. But yet, it's a unique day. It's Purim, Purim Katan. So what is it about? He says, Simcha. <laughs> simcha itself. What type of Simcha? Why? For what? For what? I'm not doing any special mitzvah. That's fine. <laughs> it's not simcha because you're doing something. It's not simcha because you're accomplishing something. It's not simcha because you're doing the right thing. It's not simcha that's accompanying work. What is it? It's celebration for the sake of celebration. It's simcha b'fnei It's toiv leiv mishtatamid. It's the perpetual state of joy that emerges in its full intensity, in its full grandeur. What are you happy about? So he says in Yiddish, I'm a Jew and I'm always connected. And that translates into many different facets of life. But the key is, it's the celebration itself. It's joy for the sake of joy. Not joy in order to enhance my workload. Joy in order to enhance my mitzvah. Joy in order to enhance my daily grind. Joy in order to enhance whatever I'm involved in. That's amazing. That's called Simcha Shal Mitzvah. That's the Rambam's focus. The Shulchan Aruch's focus of Tayyav Leib Mishatamin is that which comes at the end of Halach. Because it's not about the joy within Halach. That, that too. That's, that's a major theme. But here we're talking about the joy at the end of Allah. What do you mean at the end of Allah? No, end of Allah. In, I don't mean at the end geograph, geographically when you come to the end of the street 
or even the end chronologically, when you come to the end, you know, you're a certain age and you quit, chas v'shalom. Would mean at the end something that's deeper than the avoid itself. It's not the work itself. It's the feeling of gratitude and serenity and joyfulness and jubilation that could burst out after the whole Avoida, and when it was pent during the Avoida, it's pent up, but now it could emerge fully celebrating your presence, celebrating the gift of being, celebrating not what you do, but who you are, celebrating your very essence, which is always one with truth and always one with infinity, and always one with the ultimate source of all light and the source of all truth. And that could come out fully when it's not connected and attached to a specific responsibility because then the responsibility occupies much of the space. But here it's the, it's the simcha itself, the bonding itself, the experience of intimacy itself without anything else. That's the toiv leiv mishtetame that's brought out in Purim Katan. Which now brings us to Se'iv Zayin. Se'iv Zayin is the, the last piece of the Sicha, the last, uh, the, last par- the last section of the Sicha of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And it brings us to our last point. The Ramaz's final words again were, Toiv Leiv Mishtetamit. A good heart is always feasting. What is the meaning of those words? Toiv Leiv Mishtetamit. Now, there's a fascinating commentary of the Taz. The Taz is another commentator on Shulchan Aruch, another commentator on the Shulchan Aruch. The Taz is a commentary known as Turei Zohov, the Lines of Gold. It was authored by one of the great rabbis in Poland, and his name was uh, Reb David Segel. Reb David Halevi Segel, he was a son-in-law of the Bach, the rabbi of Krakow, Reb Yoel Sirkish. The Taz, Reb David Halevi Segel, was born in 1586. He passed away in 1667. He was a rabbi of many communities in Poland. He passed away in Lvov, in Lemberg, on Chavav Shvat, 1667. He wrote a commentary on Shulchan Aruch. So he says as follows. He brings in the beginning of Siv Zion that the Tajbits, Tajbits was another great halachic uh, authority from Spain. Tajbits is uh, the chuvis of Rabbeinu Shimon ben Tzemach. And uh, he lived in the 1300s. He was one of the, in the 1300s, 1400s. He was one of the great authorities, halachic authorities in Spain. The Tajbits brings, the Taz says, that you shouldn't, you shouldn't increase a little bit in your meal. You should hire by some Purim cotton, you should have a big meal. And he brings Rabbeinu Yechiel me Parish. Rabbeinu Yechiel me Parish was one of the Bali Ataisvis, one of the great Bali Ataisvis who lived in France. He's known as Rabbeinu Yechiel of Paris, and he lived in the 1200s. Uh... The Rebbe of the Rosh, Rabbeinu Yechil Paris, he was one of the Baliyatoisvis. He, he says, he had a minig that on Purim Cotton, he would invite people for a meal and he would have a big feast. And he said, that's what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah says, the only difference between Adirishin and Adir Shani is what? That in Adirishin, you don't do the Megillah, you don't do Matanus Slavian. What about the meal? The meal you have to have. 
So Rabbi Yechiel Paris held that Purim cotton is like Purim. You've got to have a big suit and he would invite people. Because the Mishnah just says, you don't do the Megillah, you don't do Matanus Lavyoinim, but the Sudhiya, that was his view. So the Ta says, that's where the Ramah finishes off, Toiv Leiv Mishtetamit. Because even though the Ramah himself says that the Minig is not to have a meal on Purim and not to add in feasting and joy, but he says you should add a little bit in order to fulfill those who say you should. But he finishes off with Toiv Leiv Mishtetamit, a good heart is always feasting. In order to intimate this view, that you shouldn't only add a little bit in the meal. You should add a lot. You should have a big suda. And you should invite people. <laughs> That's what the Taz writes, explaining why the Ramah finishes off with Toiv Leiv Mishtetamid. In other words, the Taz learns that when the Ramah finishes off with these words, Toiv Leiv Mishtetamid, he wants to say that you want to know something? My view is you shouldn't only add a little bit into your meal. Into, you shouldn't only add a, lot, add a little to your meal on Purim cotton. You should actually add a lot. You should have a larger meal and a larger feast and you should add in Simcha, just like you're going to do in the big Purim, in the second other, because the only difference between the two is Kriya The question is, why doesn't the Ramah say it? He intimates it with the words, Toiv Leiv Mishtetamit. In other words, a good heart is always feasting. So therefore, don't be stingy with your feast. Don't be stingy with your party. Don't be stingy with your suda. Don't just add a little bit. Add a lot. You're a good heart. You're always feasting. Certainly on Purim cotton. The Taz uses these words of the Ramah as a proof that the Ramah is really pro a big meal. So why doesn't he say it? Say it. Say it explicitly. It's a big question. Halacha is not written in codes. It's not Kabbalah. It's not philosophy. It's halach. Halach is about shulchan aruch. You got to prepare the table. You got to be clear and concise. So why does the Ramah intimate this view through his words? Toiv leiv Say it clearly. The Rebbe says, "Now we'll understand." There's a very deep concept coming out here, and here is the point. And now tune in, tune in here, because here we come to the final point. We see different levels of simcha in Jewish life. And different levels in the obligation. For example, in Torah it says that every holiday you should celebrate. It's an obligation, it's a biblical obligation to celebrate Yomim Toivim. Pesach, Shvuah, Sukkot. And in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, they would come to the Beis HaMikdash and there were special offerings. And even today, we drink wine and we have meals and we celebrate Yom Tov the way Jews celebrate. That's one level of Simcha. There's another level of simcha, it doesn't say clearly in the Torah, and that's pouring the water on Sukkot. We call it Simcha's Beisasheva. It doesn't say it anywhere in the Torah. But every morning they would go, they would take water from the wellspring Shilayah, they would come to the Beis Hamikdash, the Kayan would pour the water on the altar, and they would dance all night as a preparation for it, called Simcha's Beisasheva, the joy of going to draw the water. Then there's another level of joy. Shmini Yatzerah Simcha's Torah, where there's no obligation in Torah, it's not even Halacha Lamaisham Sinai. It's not even a rabbinical obligation, it's a minig. It doesn't say anywhere in Torah to dance hakafas. It doesn't say anywhere in Gemara. It doesn't say anywhere in Shulchan Aruch. The Ramah quotes it as a minhig. A minig. The Ramah quotes it as a custom, as a minhig. In other words, we have three levels. We have a biblical obligation of joy that says clearly in Chumash. We have a halacha l'mayshim Sinai, part of the oral tradition, that you should dance Simchas Beisasheva on Sukkot before pouring the water. And then we have the Simcha of Shmini Yatzerah Simchas Torah, which is a minig. Now, which Simcha should be greater? You would think 
that the simcha that says clearly in Torah should be a greater simcha. It's not that way. The simcha's Beis HaSheva was a greater simcha than the simcha of Sukkot or Pesach Shavuos. And the simcha of Akafas in Jewish life is greater than both of them. Why? doesn't make sense. The simcha of Sukkot says in the Torah, Simchas Beis HaSheva is intimated in the Torah, and the rabbis explained it, and it's halach al-mayshimishina, it's an oral tradition. The simcha of Akafas doesn't even say, it's not an obligation. There's no mitzvah to have Akafas, it's a minik. The answer explains the Lubavitcher Rebbe is, precisely the question explains the answer. The deeper the simcha is, the less there's an obligation. Why? Because it's the joy that comes from the person themselves. I'll give an example so you'll understand right away. In a relationship, there's things that you're obligated to do. The moment you're obligated, it's already a checklist. You told me to do it, I did it. The real joy comes from things that are done with your own initiative, with your own creativity. As the Rebbe once said, I'm going to use the example of a marriage. You have a wife asks her husband to do something, and he does it. It's a very joyous experience. He did it. Sometimes she intimates, she hints, and he does it. Wow. This shows there's a deeper relationship. She doesn't even have to say. She hints it, and he gets it. But then there's things she doesn't say, she doesn't hint. He on his own, or she on her own, do something for the other person that comes from themselves. They weren't obligated. They didn't check off a checklist. Nobody's going to hold you accountable or penalize you if you didn't do it. And you see here, the deeper relationship comes out and therefore there's more simcha. Not because you're obligated, because you're not obligated. Because this shows that the relationship is, with, is coming from yourself. It's a deep relationship. It's not about obligations. Obligations are good. Obligations are important. By definition, obligation means that we're still separate. And therefore, I have to be told to do this. But that which comes from my own initiative, nobody told me. So why did I do it? I did it because this is who I am. This is what I'm driven by. This is what triggers my imagination. This is what sets my soul on fire. And the Rebbe says, that's why Chazal say, that Hashem says, Chavivim the words of the Sachachamim, the mitzvahs of the rabbis, are more precious than the mitzvahs of Torah. Why? Because here you see the love, here you see the relationship. What Hashem told me to do, Hashem told me to do. It's a gewaldika thing. My wife asks me to buy milk, and I bought milk. She asks me to go to the airport to pick up her sister, I went to the airport. She asks me to take out the garbage, I take out the garbage. She asks me to be quiet, I'm quiet. Sure, I try. The Gavaldika thing. But then there's things nobody asked. Hashem never asked you. So why are the Jews doing it? The Jews are doing it because they're running, they're going the extra mob for the relationship. Here you see the chavivas, there's a love. You see the simcha, the joy, you see the tainuk, the pleasure that Jews have in fulfilling the Ratzon Alien, in fulfilling the Ratzon of Hashem. This is an explanation that the Rebbe gives about the difference between the different levels of simcha. So the simcha of Sukkot or Pesach Shavuos says clearly in the Torah, it's like the husband asks the wife to do something for him, or the wife asks the husband to do something for her. Hashem says to the Jew, I need you to put on tefillin. I want you to put on tefillin. I want you to put on tzitzis. I want you to celebrate Shabbos. And I want you to celebrate Sukkot. And I would love to see the joy. A smile. And the fact that we can obligate everybody in doing this, 
every Jew and obligate them in the same way means that it's a com- something that's a common denominator for everybody. That means even a person who's in a very low spiritual level is capable of this level and that's why we can obligate you. It's not fear to tell my children we all have to do this if some of them can't do it. That's cruelty. You can't give somebody a test and set them up for failure. It's just not fear. So when Titus says that something is an obligation, by definition it means that everybody can do it. If everybody can do it, it means it deals with the lowest common denominator. And I can't ask for more, because if I would ask for more, it's not fear. You're excluding a certain amount of people who are not capable of doing it. So whenever there's an obligation in Torah, it's always the lowest common denominator that everybody can do. What about a higher level of joy? I can't demand it, because it's not fear. This you can't demand. This has to come from people themselves. I can't ask you to do it. I can ask you to do certain things. But the extra mile, it's not fear to ask you because certain people really are not capable of it. And it's not fear to keep them accountable, hold them accountable for that which they can't do. You're going to make an obligation that everybody has to run a marathon. You're going to make an obligation that everybody has to live a certain lifestyle which is not possible for everybody. Maybe they need a lot of training. No, these are things that have to be voluntary because they have to come from within. It demonstrates that you're passionate. It demonstrates that you really care. So he says, the Simcha of Sukkah says clearly in the Torah, because it's an obligation that you can obligate everybody. And why could you obligate everybody? Because it includes everyone, including the lowest, lowest, even a person who's in a lower spiritual state. In other words, you go down to the lowest common denominator. Yes, that's the only way you can obligate something. The Simcha of Simcha is Beisasheva, there's no obligation in Torah Shabbat This brings out a deeper relationship. Hashem doesn't say it. Hashem hints it. <laughs> so the joy is much deeper. Hakafis, he doesn't even hint. It's not an obligation. It's not even a rabbinic obligation. It's a custom. What does this demonstrate? This demonstrates a simcha that comes completely from the Jew. They invented it. They're the ones who created Hakafis. A minig is that a Jew imagines what Hashem would love and he does it. Ah, it's like a husband who on his own initiative imagines and anticipates what his wife would cherish and he goes ahead and he does it and it's spontaneous. It's a surprise. She didn't expect it. She didn't ask for it. She didn't hint it. Is he obligated? He's not obligated. But that's where the romance, the electricity, the love and the joy comes out. Why does it come out? He didn't do an obligation. That's true. That's exactly the point. This demonstrated that this relationship is intrinsic. It's innate. It's deep. It's spontaneous. It comes from within. You hear the word? So the Rebbe says, the less the obligation, the more the simcha. Sukkis is an obligation. There's givaldika simcha. Simcha's bisasheva, the obligation is hinted in Torah. It doesn't say clearly in Torah. The sages learn it out from mem, yud, mem. Viniskeya. So it's a bigger simcha. Hakafis is not even hinted. It's a minhik. It's a minhik. Over there is the biggest simcha. Comes the Rebbe and says, now come to Purim Katan. <laughs> With Purim Katan it's even more. The Ramah doesn't finish off and say, I want everybody on Purim Katan to increase in joy. <laughs> he doesn't say that. What does the Ramah say? The Ramah says that the minig is that you don't do eulogies on Purim Katan and you don't fast. Then the Ramah says, some people say, that you're obligated to increase in your meal and to increase in joy on Purim Katan. Then the Ramah says, that's not the minhik. 
It's not the minic to increase in your meal or increase in joy. It's a view, but it's not what Jews do. We take the other view. Then the Ramah says, still, I want to suggest you should increase a little bit in your meal in order to fulfill the view of those who are stringent. And then he says, If you're a good heart, you're always feasting. If you have a good attitude, you're always parting. Says the Taz, right here, the Taz, Reb David Segel. Why does the Ramah add these words? To tell you, you know what I really feel? I really feel you should go out. You should go all out on Purim Katan. So why don't you say it? Say it. That's the Rebbe's question. Don't, don't say, and what the Ramah says, what the Ramah is really saying is, that Purim Katan really, you should increase in joy, and have a big meal, and have a big feast. Not just add a little bit to fulfill those who are stringent. Even though I told you the minig is that you don't need a meal. And the minig is you don't need to increase in joy. Because again, there's different views in Allah. Because Purim Katan is a very, it's a nebulous holiday. So some say you could eulogize, some say you can't. There's different views. But the Ramah says, but at the end, I'm telling you, if you have a good heart, go out. Celebrate. Always, certainly Purim Katan. And the Taz says, Rabbi Chilme Paris would make a big meal and invite guests, like Purim. It was a whole matzah. So why don't you say it? So the Rebbe says as follows. The reason the Ramah brings it as a story, not as a commandment, because the deepest levels of joy you can't even bring as a minhag. Hakafis of Shmini Yatzeis and Simchas is also not an obligation. But the Ramah quotes it as a minhag. In Shulchan Aruch HaRechayim Simen Tafresh Samach Tes 669, he brings that it's a minhag to finish, to, to celebrate Hakafis on Simchas we make a meal, and we celebrate the ending of the Torah on Simcha's Torah, and we go around the Bima with the Sifri Torah in order to have Simcha. That's Abinik the Ramah brings. And that's the deeper Simcha than any other time of the year. Still, he says, the Simcha of Purim Katan, he doesn't even bring as a minik. He says it as a story. He's always quoting a person. I just want to tell you a story. A guy, a man or a woman who has a good heart, they're always celebrating. Okay, thank you for the story. <laughs> say it. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to tell you a story. Why? Says the Rebbe. Because this is such a profound level of joy that there cannot be an obligation explicit in Shulchan Aruch, not even as a custom. The moment that Ramah would say, I'm telling you that we should make a custom in order to make a real Simcham Purim Katan, it's already not the unique opportunity of Simcha Purim Katan. Even HaKafesh Minyatzer Simcha's Teireh, he says it's a minig. But a minig that the Ramah brings, says the Rebbe, is already an obligation. If it's already an obligation, it dilutes the Simcha. If it's an obligation, it already means it's not this level of joy. I'm telling you what you have to do. <laughs> It becomes part of a checklist, okay? I have to be besimcha. I have to make a... I'm not telling you to do it. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. And you're not going to be punished. You're not going to be penalized. You're not disappointing me. You don't have to. I'm not even telling you that it's a custom. Because when the Ramah tells you that it's a custom, a Jew already feels guilty. <laughs> the Ramah says it's a minig. I'm not going to do the minig. Like an unbelievable word of the Rebbe. When you say it's a minig, it's already an obligation by a Jew. It's a minig. Minig is Saltairu. 
It's a minig. Wow, it's holy. If it's holy, how can I not do it? So the Ramah says, I'm not telling you. It's not a minig. You don't have to. In fact, it's not the minig. But then he says, I'm just telling you a story. I want you to know that a Jew who's in touch with the essence of Judaism, not as an obligation, not even as a minig, I'm sharing with you the opportunity of what life as a Jew can offer. What's the opportunity? The opportunity is that a person on their own, from your own initiative and your own creativity, the relationship is so precious that you want to, you choose to celebrate it. Why by Purim Katan? The answer is, because the Simcha of Purim Katan is at the end of Shulchan Aruch. Why is it at the end of Shulchan Aruch? Because it represents the Simcha that comes at the end of Avoidah, after Avoidah. In other words, it's that which is higher than Avoidah. It's higher than Avoidah. If it's higher than Avoidah, it's higher than obligation. Where does it come from? It comes from you. It comes from, from your innate, innate essence. It represents a Judaism that's full of joy, love, intimacy with Hashem. Obligation means you're separate from me and I have to tell you what to do. Why do I have to tell you what to do? Because you and me are not one. Take my body, yeah? I don't have an argument with my hand. Should you lift yourself up in the middle of the shear? Should you go down? Should you go up? It's one central nervous system. My brain and my arm and a healthy person, the organism works in a seamless flow because there's unity. And if you start telling your hand, please lift yourself up, please pick up your hand, and the hand says no, that means you're sick. Chas v'shalom, we need a lot of, we need it to medical emergency because there's an interruption. We know what the condition is. In a healthy organism, the brain doesn't tell the arm or the hand, you know, I think you should... My suggestion is, it's time for picking up your hand. It's time to walk. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's discuss this. We'll take it for a vote. We'll have a conversation. That means the person is in a difficult medical situation. In a healthy organism, there's oneness. The brain is one with all the limbs and organs. They're working together. The brain says, this is what we have to do now. This is good for you. And everybody is in. The concept of chiyav, of obligation, means there's a certain element of separateness, of detachment, and therefore, I'm telling you to do it. Even a minhig is a custom, which for a Jew is an obligation. The end of Shulchan Aruch represents the end of Judaism. What do I mean, the end of Judaism? The sum total of Judaism, the culmination of Judaism, the highest level of Judaism, after the whole Shulchan Aruch. What is it? What is it? Oneness. You are Hashem. You're completely one. You are an ambassador of Hashem in this world. You're an ambassador of love, light, hope, wisdom, authenticity, redemption. You're a channel of infinity. You're a derivative of the consciousness of oneness. Like in a good marriage, it's not about the wife asked. Yes, she asked. Wonderful. Not even she intimated. It's that the relationship matters to you in your core. Why? Because you celebrate it. It's not okay, I did a checklist, give me a reward. I don't need a reward. There's the concept of Judaism, I serve God in order to get reward, and I don't do wrong things, I don't want to get punished. But then there's a deeper concept. I don't serve Hashem to get rewarded. I serve Hashem, and that is the greatest reward. I don't serve Hashem to get Ganeiden. Serving Hashem is the greatest Ganeiden, and it's deeper than Ganeiden. 
So this simcha is not a simcha that is defined by obligation. Because if it's defined by obligation, it's not this level. It's beautiful, but it's not this level. This is a simcha that can't be defined by obligation. If you put in an obligation there, you ruin it. (laughs) It's the simcha that comes from the very, very core of your being. It's the essence of who you are. I can't tell you to be your essence. Then it's not you. If I tell you, be this person, it's not you, it's me. You can't tell somebody who to be. You can tell somebody what to do. This is not a simcha of actions. This is a simcha of being, of existence. I can't tell somebody who they should be. I want you to be a happy person. I want you to be a charming person. I want you to be a gorgeous person. I want you to be a powerful person. I want you to be a creative, skillful, brilliant leader. Thank you. Brilliant advice. (laughs) So come, change my DNA molecules and I'll become that person. I can ask somebody to do something. Say, go to the airport, go to the grocery store, make me a cup of coffee, clean up your room. (laughs) Fine. Hopefully they'll listen. I can't can't tell you, be. Be this person. I'm not. I am. Being is, is, is who I am. It's, it's, it's how I, it, I have to discover it within me. So the Rebbe says the deepest level of simcha you can't tell a Jew to have. Because if I'm telling it to you, it's not coming from your essence. It's coming from me. The deepest simcha is something that comes from your very, very core. And if I tell it to you, I'm already eclipsing it. He uses here very powerful words in the brackets. He says as follows. If there would have been a commandment or a minig on simcha and Purim Kotan, it would mean that it's doing it as part of my obligation to fulfill the Shulchan Aruch. And if you're doing something as part of your obligation to fulfill the Shulchan Aruch, there is an element of fear and there's an element of oil, a yoke and yid, and it should be that way. Because when I'm doing something that Hashem wants me to do, I have to be attentive, I have to be responsible, I have to remember Kabbalah el Malchus Shamayim, and there's an element of Yiris Hashem Or. So the moment you turn it into an obligation, you already diminish the element of Simcha. Wow. Not that obligations are bad. We live with obligations. <laughs> obligations are not bad. But obligations don't capture the core of the relationship. Obligations are a very important step in life. But what's the core? The core is oneness, not obligation. Right? Chazal talk about mitzvahs p'teilus la'asid lavai. In the future, there won't be mitzvahs. So the Rebbe explains, what does that mean? Not that the mitzvahs will be gone. The element of commandment won't be there because it's going to be organic. It's going to be internal. And he says, that's why the Magen Avraham says something very powerful on these words of the Ramah. Now here we're being introduced to the Magen Avraham. The Magen Avraham is another commentator on Shulchan Aruch. Magen Avram was a man named Rabbi Avram Abele Gumbiner. Rabbi Avram Abele Halevi Gumbiner. He was born in 1637. He passed away in 1682. And he wrote a commentary called Magen Avram. He was one of the great scholars and sages in Poland. 
even though he ran away from any official position during his lifetime. And the Magen Avram, on these words of the Ramah, Toiv Lev Tamid, he adds these words. It's the last two lines on page 217. He says, A good heart is always feasting. Always feasting in the simcha of the mitzvahs of our God to prepare and establish the day when our mouths will be filled with laughter. The Tehillim says, That when Mashiach comes, our mouths will be filled with laughter and our tongues will be filled with joy. What does this mean? This means as follows. What is Geula? The Navi says in Yeshaya when Mashiach comes, Simchas Oilam Al Roisham. There will be eternal joy on their heads. <laughs> and the whole world will celebrate, and Oilam also means forever, eternal. Because what does Mashiach represent? Mashiach represents that the relationship of Ein Oid Malvadai will come out. So joy will not just be an obligation, you have to be joyous. Joy will be the natural state of existence because joy is not something you have to do. Joy is who you are. When there's no blockages, there's a seamless flow of joy that flows through my body. The challenge is I have blockages. I have tension. I have anxiety. I have mental chatter that blocks my joy. But when I get in touch with myself, when I open myself up to the flow, which is not always easy, the simcha is innate. It's an organic we once learned a mimer of the Alter Rebbe who explains that everything in the world is in a state of joy. He asks, why is it that all animals, all reptiles, all insects, all birds, all mammals, all trees, all shrubs, all bushes, all plants are all in a state of joy besides people? And he says, because we have this consciousness that allows us to feel separate, lonely, broken, detached. Mashiach is a time of gu'ula. So the oneness is revealed, so I become a conduit of eternal joy, because Hashem is joy. We say in davening every morning, in Hashem's space, there's confidence and joy. How do you know you're in Hashem's space? When you're in a space of confidence and joy. How do I know that I'm outside of God's space, of divine space, when I'm in a state of no confidence and in a state of no joy? And we sometimes find ourselves in that state. Those are called moments of gullus, moments of blockages, moments of concealments. And sometimes the joy is in my brain. I understand everything, but my nervous system is out of whack. My nervous system is chaotic. As we spoke earlier in the Sikha, you need that flow, that seamless flow. But when that flow is there, oz our mouths will be filled with laughter because joy is not a means for an end, joy is the ultimate goal, tainug, ecstasy, oneness. There's going to be simchas oilam, perpetual joy, and joy as a self-contained reality. So the Magen Avram says, toiv leiv mishta tamid, the feasting constantly with the simcha of mitzvah salakenu, prepares for az yimali pinu. Our mouths will be filled with joy. In other words, there won't be anything else in our mouth but joy. Why? Now we understand. Because Mashiach is, what does it mean to live in a Gula consciousness? That Judaism is not a checklist. Okay, I did this, check, 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 check. Sometimes we have to live by checklists. Sometimes you need a discipline, you need a structure, check, 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 check. Beautiful. That's where obligations come in. Be a mensch, 
be a man, be a woman, live up to your responsibilities. Don't quetch. <laughs> quetch a little bit. Quetch at night. Don't quetch. Do, do your job. And it's amazing. And sometimes this saves people's lives, obligations, structure, discipline. Amazing. But the Rebbe says, what's the ultimate? What's the end of the Shulchan Aruch? What's the end goal? I don't mean the end of the Shulchan Aruch. Again, I say this hundred. doesn't mean the end when you finish Shulchan Aruch. You don't finish. But what's the end in terms of quality? What's the, what does it mean to reach the full goal? The full purpose is organic oneness. The c- celebration of the relationship itself beyond obligation. And here the Simcha is Simcha that is pure Simcha. There's nothing else mixed into it. Why? Because it's coming from my essence. So it fills up my entire space. If you obligate me to do it, right away, it takes away a little bit of the joy. <laughs> you know what it's like? Mommy's going to a wedding with Tati and mommy turns to her 14-year-old or 15-year-old and says, I want you to clean up the house while we're gone. Here was the deal. This beautiful, wonderful girl was planning to surprise mommy and clean up the whole house when she goes to the wedding. So she comes back to a beautiful home. And right before she leaves, mommy says, Miriam, Sarala, Chayala, make sure to clean up the house when I come home. And what you just do? <laughs> you put the needle in the balloon. Yeah. You were trying to surprise mommy. You wanted the gishmak. You wanted it to come and say, wow! And it's just like, I... You say, whoa, it's an obligation. It's wonderful. It's a better relationship. No, no, you just ruined it. <laughs> you just ruined it. I'm not telling you not to tell your daughter to clean up the house, but I'm telling you that if your daughter is going to clean up the house on her own, it's much, much deeper. Because <laughs> once she's out of the house, you're not going to be able to tell her to clean up her house. We like when people learn things inside themselves. So we need systems and we need obligations and a person has a Yetzirah and I have a laziness to me and I have resistance and I have stubbornness and I have my issues and obligations are critical to life. But the Rebbe says ultimately when the Simcha is part of an obligation there's already other elements involved. There's Yirid, there's Kabbalah Sel and it takes away from the pure experience of Simcha which can only come when there's no obligation whatsoever not even the obligation of a Minhig. So when the Ramah wants to give tribute to Purim Katan what's Purim Katan? Purim Katan represents the end of the Shulchan Aruch which is the ultimate relationship where it's a joy that overflows in your system and defines you the totality of your experience. It's the joy that comes at the end of the Avaid. It's the joy of being. The joy of the relationship itself that you're a Jew and you're always one with Hashem. And that comes after the Avaid because it's beyond. It's higher than the Avaid. It's Hechef and Avaid. It's higher than obligation. It's the Simcha that comes from the essential infinite oneness and relationship. Avaida is a manifestation of that. But this essentially is beyond service. So how does the Ramah say it? He can't tell you to do it. If he tells you to do it, he just ruined it. Guys, Purim Katan is coming and I'm telling you, you gotta, there's a minute, you gotta go have a party. <laughs> he tells it as a story. The Ta says, let me tell you what he really means. What he really means is that you should celebrate big time. But he doesn't want to tell you to do it. Because if he tells you to do it, it's not this simcha. He can't tell you to do it. If he tells you to do it, even if he tells you it's a custom, the Rebbe says, Aminik was brengtzich in Ramah is oichadin. It's already a chiyuv. It already ruins it. It dilutes it. So he just tells it as a story. And the Ta says, let me tell you what he really means. 
He's telling you that there's an opportunity. The opportunity of Purim Katan is to be able to celebrate Purim in its most pure level. So that when the big Purim comes, you shouldn't get distracted by the so many things. And every day, Purim Katan gives us the Kayak that every day we shouldn't only serve God and not only fulfill our obligations, but we should always take those moments and celebrate the relationship itself. Celebrate the relationship that's beyond obligation. Celebrate the intimacy. Celebrate the oneness. Purim Katan gives the power, Toiv Lev Mishtetamid. That throughout the year, when there is obliga- when there are obligations, you're raising your children and there's obligations. You're helping your grandchildren and there are obligations. You have a job and there's an obligation. You're in a marriage and there's duties and obligations. You have to do certain things every day and avaydas Hashem, there's a shulchan aruch. But within that whole experience, you should be able to find those moments every day where you just celebrate your marriage. You celebrate your children. You celebrate your Judaism, not because I fulfilled the checklist. Okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm not bad. Not from a place of guilt, not from a place of shame, not even from a place of, I want to be a good person and do the right thing. But the ability to melt away in the ecstasy of oneness, the ability to take those moments of breathing in the experience itself, that's a taste of Mashiach. The taste of Mashiach is a Judaism that's full of joy and love and intimacy. It's organic, it's holistic, it's innate, it's intrinsic. Ah, that's why the Ramah finishes with the words Tevlev Mishtatamit. So this brings everything together. That the end of Shulchan Aruch is not with Purim, it's Purim Katan. It's Purim Katan. That's the end of Shulchan Aruch. Purim Katan brings out Simcha itself at the end of the Avoid. And the Ramah finishes off Toiv Leiv Mishtetamit after Purim Katan. Because Purim Katan is really connected to this concept of Mishtetamit. And the Ramah wants to intimate that Purim Katan, one should have a lot of Simcha. And one should have a big feast. And as the Rebchil Mepariz used to invite people, but how does he say it? He doesn't tell you to do it. He doesn't, he's not going to tell you to do it. And if you don't do it, he's not going to be disappointed. The Shulchan Aruch is not going to get upset at you. You're not obligated. You're fine. You're free. You're free on Purim Katan. You're free. You don't have to do anything. You could sit on your couch and kvetch. I'm good. You're free. Don't No guilt. Don't give me Jewish guilt on Purim Katan. It's the only day with no Jewish guilt. <laughs> you don't got to do anything. I'm not going to be upset. You don't have an obligation. It's not even a minute. It's all about you. It's all about where you really, really are. And therefore, I can't put it in words of an obligation because I put it in words of an obligation. It's going to become about me and it's going to become about duty and it's going to become about responsibility, which are all amazing qualities and amazing things, but it ultimately eclipses this opportunity to fully, fully emerge in your essence. Fully show up with your essence, from your essence, into a simcha that prepares the world for Geula. Simcha's oilam and he says the adding, the Rebbe finishes, the adding of Simcha in Golos, and in a way that we increase, Mailan B'Kaidish, including in the holy commandment of Toiv, in holy, including in the holy experience of Toiv Lev Mishtatamid, you increase in the Mishtatamid, this speeds up the Simcha's Olam Al-Raisham, the eternal joy on our heads, because the experience of Gula is eternal, perpetual 
joy, not just as an obligation, but as a holistic, organic, all-encompassing reality. So the calling here, the what we're invited to step into, what we're what we're being explained here is that it's not about I have to. It's that I get to. So much of our life is I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. And there's a lot of good in that because when I have to and I take it seriously, I step up to the plate. But there's something deeper. You have to get to the end of avoid, meaning the ultimate of the avoid is to get to the place where I don't have to. I have an opportunity. It's a privilege. This is who I am. I know that my wife won't punish me if I don't initiate this closeness. I'm not, I don't have to. It doesn't say in the Ksuva. <laughs> she didn't ask me to do it. I don't have to. You don't have to. You can get away with it. It's fine. You're good. We love you. It's how deep is the relationship. And indeed, if the marriage is not a good marriage, you just do what you have to, even if you're a mensch. If it's a good marriage, you go the extra mile. And if it's a super marriage, you don't just go the extra mile. You celebrate each other and you seize every moment that's possible to celebrate it, and you initiate, because it's coming completely from within. Nobody told you to do it. They don't have to tell you to do it. And you don't have to be upset at yourself if you're not on that level. You know, that's also part of guilt. Don't get guilty now. Oh, but I'm not feeling it. If you start feeling guilty, you're never going to get there. Guilt never helps you discover your essence. Guilt helps you eclipse your essence. Are you with me? Guilt never helps you discover your essence. Guilt can sometimes get you to do certain things externally, which is sometimes wonderful. But if you're now feeling guilt, if I finish the sikh and I'm thinking, I don't feel this. I'm guilty. (laughs) Don't feel guilty. This is not about an obligation. We have to graduate. That's what the Rebbe is teaching us. Graduate from the word obligation, obligation, guilt, 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 which is Normal, it's part of the human condition, it's part of the Jewish condition. But don't start feeling guilty about the fact that you're not feeling this because that's not the point here. The point is, allow yourself to heal from guilt. Allow your nervous system to relax. Allow yourself to be you. Allow yourself to be one with who you are. And then, and then, not with guilt and not with stress, you are a conduit of Simcha because you're the best thing that ever happened. And you're the best thing that will ever happen. The Pasuk says, Hashem says about every Jew, I boast with you. I am so proud of you. I am crazy about you. Your very existence is the greatest blessing. When you can experience that, he says, the Simcha, that you're a Yid, you're a Jew, not because obligations again, and don't start feeling guilty, but I don't feel this way. Oh, yeah, I'm so bad. I'm so blocked up. I'm so horrible. I don't feel this. I, I, ugh, this is, we lost the point. <laughs> guilt cannot help people get in touch with their essence. Guilt, 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 guilt helps people eclipse their essence. This is an organic experience where we have to help ourselves get in touch with our inner love.
and our inner joy through a lot of compassion, through a lot of acceptance. Compassion for yourself, compassion for others. Acceptance of yourself, acceptance of others. It's allowing us to open up the knots. And if you're feeling, if you are now in your brain like, how do I do this? I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I got it all wrong. <laughs> you're going into that place again. And that place is not what we're talking about. We, 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 we need to come to that space of oneness, of real oneness, of allowing ourselves to... to remove all those... Vo- to, not to remove, to acknowledge all those voices that tell us how distracted we are, how bad we are, how alienated we are. Acknowledge them, have compassion for them, and then step in voluntarily to a space where you can just celebrate the truth that you are divine. You are a derivative of the consciousness of divinity. You're a channel for everything because God's light is channeled through you, through your brain, through your heart, through your mind, through your emotions, through your body, through your soul, through your sensations, all the way down to your feet. It's stepping into that space every day. And Purim Katan is the day of the year that captures that energy. It's a day of joy, but without any strings attached, without any mitzvahs. And even the joy is not set as an obligation. <laughs> even the joy is not set as a mimic. Even the joy is just set as a story. If you have a great disposition, of course you're going to feast. Because it's an opportunity. Purim Katan is an opportunity. Purim Katan and Shusham Purim Katan. An opportunity to help ourselves open ourselves up to this Mashiach type of joy. The Gula consciousness. We're my experience of life, my relationships, my Judaism, my relationship with Hashem is organic, it's holistic, it's innate. I don't have to be told, I don't have to be chastised, I don't have to be penalized, I don't have to be rewarded. That's what Alter Rebbe used to say. I don't need Gan Eden, I don't need the Lomhaza, I don't need I want you. You. And if I have you, I have everything. And the reason he felt that way is because he felt that Hashem feels that way about him. Hashem said, I don't need anything, I need you. <laughs> the moment al Rebbe felt that, it was reciprocal. I need you, and you are everything, and I want you, and you are everything. And now we come to the summation. So we have Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Saman in the beginning. We have Toiv Leiv Mishtetaman at the end. Those are the two Tamids. The first Tamid is, Hashem is always with me. Hashem is right here with me. And that creates a sense of awe and reverence and respect. But also tremendous simcha. Tremendous joy. When the Rebbe said the Sicha in 1984 and 1967, Shushan Purim Katan, he said, ask a child if he knows that the King of Kings, Hashem, is there in his bedroom right when he wakes up, even before he says, Hashem is there. What does that do to the child? And the Rebbe says that every child will say, wow, that's so exciting. That's so exciting. It's the biggest simcha in the world. Shivisi Hashem, the biggest simcha in the world. But that simcha could still be eclipsed because 
Time to wake up. Gotta go daven. It's, it's defined by the Avaidah. At the end of Shulchan Aruch, there's the pure Simcha, just the Simcha itself. The celebration of the relationship itself. That's not part of the Avaidah. It follows the Avaidah. It's the result of the Avaidah. It's higher than the Avaidah. That's the end. It's always at the end. And the two are connected. Because when Hashem is with me, I can always be in a state of joy. What does being in a state of joy and feasting? It doesn't mean that every moment is fun. It means every moment is purposeful. Because if God is always here, every moment is purposeful. And the Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit therefore creates the Toivlev Mishtatamid. And the Toivlev Mishtatamid also creates Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit. As the Rebbe said then in 67, Chavzayin, he said, the Shechina dwells with your Simcha. So when you're always in a state of Mishta, in a state of Simcha, then the Shechina could be manifested in your life. Because the Shechina doesn't dwell in depression and melancholy. It's very hard. Depression and melancholy blocks the flow, even though we have it. But we have to be aware that it's a blockage. So Toiv Leiv Mishta Tamid opens up the channel for the Shechina to dwell. So Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samit. So the two are connected to each other. But in the beginning, the focus is the Yira. At the end, the focus is the Simcha. And Purim Katan captures this sentiment in the most profound way. The ability for the Jew every day of his or her life, with all of our responsibilities and with all of our duties, to be able to experience the ecstasy of life, the ecstasy of oneness, the ecstasy of the relationship. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Another amazing lesson. Ah. So Rabbi Chil Paris would make a big suda and he would invite people. <laughs> yeah, but the Abu Ayyada, we don't have it. You're right. You're right. No, but that's what the, ta- the Taz is saying. The Taz is saying that the Ramah holds, when the Ramah says, Toiv Leiv Mishtatamid, he's intimating yeah, that he really is embracing the view that on Purim Katan, you should add in Mishta, you should have a feast, and you should add in Simcha. But the way he says it is not by saying you should, he says it by saying V'toiv leiv Mishta Tamid, because he doesn't want to say you should. Because <laughs> if he says you should, it's going to take away from what the experience of Purim Katan is. He doesn't want to say you should. He says you could. You could. Toiv leiv mishtatamid. Let me tell you what it says in, in, in Mishle about a toiv leiv. Because it's something where we're encouraged to open ourselves up to the joy that comes completely from me. Don't, so I can't tell you how to celebrate. If I tell you how to celebrate, it's like, okay, I'm going to tell you how to have a good time. Okay, here we go. Now we're going to learn how to have a good time. So it's a good time that I defined for you. But this is a type of simcha. Huh? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You decide it's completely from within. It's completely from within. The simcha is completely from within. So even a mishta and a simcha, which I'll be teira, are ways to create a festive mood. You know, you have delicious food, and you have a beautiful atmosphere, and you drink, and you say a lechayim, and you have a feast. But it's not about the food. Sometimes by us, it becomes about the food and about the drinking. That's not simcha. Stuffing myself with a lot of food doesn't make me happy. celebrate it only once in four years. Purim 
Purim Khat doesn't even come every year, exactly. Beautiful. Excellent. Purim Katan is not even, it's so not an obligation, doesn't even come every year. <laughs> it comes every two years, every three years, because it's very fine, it's very, very delicate. It's something you have to open, I have to, it's something I want to open myself up to. I, I caught myself at a Freudian slip. I said it's something I have to open myself up to. And then I realized I just missed the point. So I said it's something that I want to open myself up to. I don't have to open myself up to I want to open myself up to because if I have to open myself up to it I'm not going to be open to it because I'm going to have to open myself up to it so I'm, 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 I'm touching the wrong fuses I'm touching the fuses of have to I want to touch the fuses of want to <laughs> I, don't want to, I, want to want, I don't want to play with the wires of have to I want to play with the wires of want to so Purim Katan is not even an obligation every year it doesn't exist it only exists in a leap year Purim every year is the source of Simcha. That's Purim, Purim Gadol. Purim Katan is an opportunity. It's a gift. It's more than want to. It's not want to. It's, a, it's an intimate desire. Yes, very good. It's beyond want Excellent. It's not want to. It's an intimate desire. Chafetz. It's not want to like, you know, I want to get gas in my car. Right. Or I want to go shopping today. It's, it's an intimate, an intimate desire that comes from the intimacy of, of self. Okay, somebody says, I'm just reading from chat. Thank you. This was an incredible sikha. It's the ultimate synthesis between all aspects of Torah and all aspects of the self. Yeah, that's true. Somebody asks, is this connected to the fact that we learned that the most important verse in Torah is which are the two Tmidim, and maybe that's connected to and and that's why the Medrash says this is the most important verse, because these two Tmidim define Judaism. Beautiful, beautiful thought. Beautiful insight, whoever wrote that. Yeah. Okay, Chavra. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Tonight is Purim Cotton, so I wish you all the opportunity and ability to be able to open ourselves up to the energy that the Rebbe helps us get in touch with, the Dveikas, in the deepest and most intimate way as a preparation for Az Yimalei Shaik Pinu, Ulushaneinu Rina, Simchis Oilam Al Roisham. Amen. Ha-yin-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-ay-
Amen. <laughs> so early in the morning. <laughs> Straight from Russia. I like that. I like that. You're in Russia now? You're in Toronto, but your origin, very good. Somebody writes here on the chat, maybe enough analysis of what this all means, enough with all of our questions. Let it become integrated into your being, and then it will be understood automatically. Very good. Very good. Tell that to my Ashkenazic brothers. This this shear and this sicha was truly healing, somebody writes. Next. Now the challenge of maintaining this awareness, this feeling, remains a challenge, but this is what I would like to open myself up to. This was very, very healing for me. I'm just reading the various chats of our dear brothers and sisters here. A lot of, uh, a lot of comments. Huh? Somebody says, why Purim Cotton comes every two, three years? Because it's not about something that you demand from people. And tell them, okay, this you have to do every year. It's really, it's opening yourself up to this experience in life. We have to be able to look beyond our immediate chaos and running around. And sometimes after two, three years, we could look back at our struggles and just open ourselves up to the flow of joy. It's like breathing and sitting down after finishing up all your responsibilities of harlacha all of your responsibilities in your daily life, all of your struggles, you're running around life. And then the Sikha says, could you just sit down and really celebrate the relationship itself? Yeah, it's not a contradiction. The lack of satisfaction doesn't come because of guilt. The lack of satisfaction comes because you appreciate your infinity. You understand the difference? It's opposite. (laughs) It's not about guilt. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.